Hello, health investor. Welcome back to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you are going to hear from Sina Wheeler. The Wheelers are a third generation fishing family and work hard to bring home the very best fish. Their goal with Sina Sea is to bring the consistent premium quality that they get to enjoy directly to their customers, something their customers just can't find anywhere else. Sina has a master's degree in nutrition and food science with a specialty in quantifying omega-3s in fish and determining preferred handling practices for premium quality. Her husband, Rich, does a majority of the fishing for Sina Sea, but they also source from fellow fishermen who share their high-quality standards and commitment to sustainability. They're not only fishermen, but also run a small, fisherman-owned custom processing facility in Cordova, Alaska, where they specialize in premium quality and traceability. This means their fish never leave their hands and control is maintained throughout their entire process. In the episode, Sina shares key differences between wild and farmed fish, what to look for and ask about when buying or ordering fish, which fish has the highest omega-3 content, and more. Do me a favor. While you're listening, take a selfie, post it to social media, tag me at The Health Investment, and let me know your takeaways. I love seeing you in action and learning your favorite parts of each episode. Okay, without further ado, it's time to hear from Sina. Enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and host of the Health Investment Podcast. Here's the thing, you deserve to feel amazing. But here's the other thing, there are so many confusing messages out there. Week after week, I'm gonna share tips and practices that actually work for simple weight loss and sustainable wellness because I wanna help you get healthy for good without any BS. When I'm not podcasting, I work with clients one-on-one So visit the show notes to book your free consultation. And don't forget to leave a review so that others can become trim, energized, confident, BS-busting rock stars like you. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Sina. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. I was just mentioning off-air that I don't usually set New Year's resolutions for myself. And I kind of just, I don't know, randomly in the year decide when I want to start something new. But this year I did decide that I want to intentionally eat more seafood in 2021. So I can't wait to learn from you about wild fish and farm fish and just exactly what I should be eating. Perfect. I love it. Those are my very favorite topics. Awesome. <laughs> I, I absolutely love your goal and a great goal is specific and has a time, um, you know, some, some sort of time in there. So I would suggest this to you. How about try eating, eat fish twice a week. And mm. that way you really know kind of that target you're trying to hit and that time frame. You miss it one week, start fresh the, the next and try again. It's that kind of um, reoccurring target can be really helpful for a goal. I love that. Yeah, I do that with my clients, but sometimes not myself. So I appreciate that reminder. And I love something tangible, like twice a week. That seems very attainable. Right. And you can um, just something you think about as you plan meals, and it actually can be helpful. (laughs) Right. A little guide when you're planning meals. For sure. Well, to start out, I'd love to just hear your story. I'm very fascinated by just deep sea fishing and you know, this whole idea, the show on TV, Deadliest Catch. I was really into that for a while. I'm sure all these people come to you and talk about, they hear that you're in the fishing business and I'm sure they're (laughs) talking about a perfect storm, the perfect storm and Deadliest Catch. Um, But yeah, I'm super fascinated by it. So I'd love to know what led you to start your company, Cena C. I'll try to keep it brief here because I could probably do 45 minutes on that. Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, Um, I'm here for it. So whatever, however long you want to talk about it. Perfect. So I come from a third generation fishing family. So um, my grandpa immigrated from Norway um, and 
bought a boat and as his brothers came he got them and everybody got a boat and they moved to Ballard in Washington which is um, kind of a, a known um, Norwegian port <laughs> and yeah. where there's a lot of fishermen or were so that's it's a real traditional fishing history here in Washington State in the Pacific Northwest and my um, that was my mom's dad so the funny part is that I come from a a line of fishermen wives so in fact that was my grandpa and my my dad would be the in-law and he took over a boat so my mm -hmm. mom i'm saying it all weird but <laughs> <laughs> it gets weird with family my stuff. dad is the son-in-law and okay. um he fished for his you know full career and then when i got married my husband rich got involved in the fishing industry and so he's the next son-in-law that got involved so really i kind of like to say we import the fishermen but i come from a three generations of fishing wives okay wow was your husband at all into that when you guys met or did he just become interested because of your family history oh i would say both we grew up on a small island in the pacific northwest so he definitely knew about us and what we do and he definitely kind of had an inclination that getting involved with me is synonymous with getting involved with fishing <laughs> so it was no yeah. surprise no shock to him Okay, that's so cool. And then I know that you also got your master's in nutrition and food science. So what led you down that path? Well, my dad was a fisherman and my mom owned a health food store. So we grew up um, healthy eating, definitely. <laughs> um, health is just a part, you know, a, a lifestyle. It wasn't a, a real huge choice it was just what you do we ate a lot of fish we ate healthy food with that fish um so for me going into college it was like oh nutrition that's like something i'm interested in and they you can get a degree in that definitely so my undergraduate i was a bachelor's in nutrition and food science so you take classes it's more of a dietetic route that dietitian but there was a little bit of food science mixed in and um, organic chemistry and that kind of thing. So I absolutely love nutrition. I would tell all all students take nutrition classes. It's it's a you know lifetime of knowledge. Right. Um, but my I am a, a math and science person. So I also found that I love the science. I love the food science aspect. And for me, it's that hard science, right? It's it's um, having a theory testing that theory and then having a definite result <laughs> mm -hmm. so that really kind of i love the nutrition aspect kind of for me but in terms of of work and a job and a career i i really kind of moved towards that um the food science for that kind of hard science so i um got my graduate degree at oregon state and when i transferred there i was looking through the program and they had a, a fisheries and I, it was just so natural for me. It wasn't like, oh, I want to devote my life to fish. It was just like, oh, yeah, perfect. I could do that. Um, so I emailed the professor and um, ended up getting, he was looking for somebody that wasn't afraid to go out on boats. And, and it was really my, my fishing background that he was interested in, which is just, you know, funny to me. It was just who I am and what I did. So um, I ended up getting a full ride to um, Oregon State to study uh, food science with a fisheries emphasis. And oh, while wow. I was there, I studied, um, the biggest thing I was doing was quantifying omega-3s. Hmm. And we were studying albacore tuna at the time, West Coast albacore tuna, which is amazing, by the way. Hmm. Um, so I did a lot of study with omega-3s, and then we did um, handling techniques and correlating that to sensory analysis. So I was in my happy place. I loved all the work I did there. That's awesome. Yeah, I find that, you know, you mentioned getting into nutrition and just how fascinating it is. I didn't really understand a lot about it until later in life. And that actually caused me to transition from teaching high school English to, I say, teaching nutrition to clients one-on-one -on -one now. And I have a group program. Um, but yeah, it's just, I find it so fascinating. And I can't wait to understand more about fish because I feel like I've learned a lot about eggs, for example, you know, looking for pastured eggs or with meat, looking for labels that say 100% grass fed. But right. with fish, I still find it kind of mystifying and I don't 
understand a lot of the terms. So I'd love to just dive right into the terms wild, sustainable, and ethical and kind of define those. So could you start with defining what does wild even mean? And are there certain certifications we should be looking for? Yeah, absolutely. So um, wild basically means that a wild fish is caught in its natural habitat. So it's caught by a fisherman in the wild. So in the rivers or lakes or oceans. Um, and it and it also implies or means that it was has been eating, you know, it's been out on its own eating what it eats. Um, so <laughs> hopefully that's, it's not a real um, specific term. It just means basically at this point, non-farmed. So it means that that fish went out into the wild, ate what what it ate, be was a was a natural fish, and then it was caught by a fisherman. Okay, and then can we just trust if a package says wild, or is there a certain if it, if it says wild, it's wild, and that's um that's a very it's one of these um non is <laughs> I don't know how to explain it better than wild is wild, and that's good. Okay. Nobody's made it more complicated. Wild is always wild. Okay. And I I have started saying on my website, because I say, I use the word wild about, uh, you know, in 500 times on the website, but I still have people email me and say, is is your fish farmed? So I started saying wild, never farmed, but Mm -hmm. to a fisherman, wild is wild. Okay. Got it. So the term wild means wild, (laughs) but then I would imagine the term wild doesn't necessarily mean sustainable or ethical. Right. So what do those terms mean? Sustainable gets a little more squishy. Um, That's a hard one because sustainable means different things to different people. So it's one of those more difficult terms. So when it comes to sustainable, it means it's caught or farmed with the long-term future of the species in mind or or the health of the oceans. So when I'm talking about our fish, I call it wild and sustainable. So what I mean when I say that is that it's caught in the wild and that our fishing practices are sustainable. So in other words, we have a highly regulated sustainable fishing industry. We let a million fish go by into the, you know, back into the rivers before we catch. There's there's caps on what can be caught. And so all of that regulation is to keep the, the fishery sustainable. So it means we aren't just catching all the fish and with no concern about, um, you know, the future. All real wild fishermen, I'm talking mostly, we fish in Alaska, which is really well regulated. The fishermen are conservationists. The whole fishing industry understands that we don't have an industry if fish aren't coming back year after year in a healthy and thriving way. So that is what sustainable means. It means everything that we do when it comes to fishing, fishing practices, net size, time of year, everything is timed out for a sustainable um, species that comes back year after year. What gets confusing is that other people can use that word too. Um, You have now, really I think confusing people is that um, fish farmers, I've started using the term sustainable also. And what they mean is that they're fish in the pens, like it's sustainable in terms of their water usage and their, their um, you know, however they define that is like, it's a lot of it is their water usage and how their water is flowing and the, that their pens are safe. And, and so they have the same word sustainable, really kind of meaning we can continue to farm fish indefinitely. And so it gets a little, that's where this, the terms do get confusing to me because it's the same word and it's really talking about, you know, kind of different aspects. Right. Did I make okay. it sound more confusing? No, well, <laughs> no, not at all. But I think it's just good to kind of, cause I have seen that packaging saying farmed and sustainable. Right. Like and wild and sustainable. So yeah, it does get confusing, but I think it's important to note that it's kind of confusing because the term can be kind of applied in many different ways. Right, right. Okay. And then I know you also mentioned on your site 
the term ethical. So how mm-hmm. is that different from sustainable? So ethical, when, when we talk about being ethical, we're talking about being truthful, fair, and honest. And that comes more into uh, labeling the fish that, that, that we're not throwing words on a website. Um, that our wild fish is truly wild, our sustainable is truly sustainable, and that, that what you think you're buying is what you're buying. And um, it, in the world of fish, that's also really important. Okay. What are some of your biggest pet peeves when it comes to labeling? Like, what are some things we should be looking out for that are common offenders? Um, I think that, and and you'll hear me over and over, I'm a proponent of wild fish, and we'll get into why. <laughs> I think that it can get confusing because you have this wild versus farmed, and the language that the farm fish sometimes use what uh, the sustainability and organic and it um you know kind of fancy words that uh, you know does what does that really mean that that gets difficult i think so i think that the you know for me the pet peeve is just really kind of almost consuming um the just confusing the consumer enough that they're at the grocery store, they're looking at wild, they're looking at farm, they're looking at organic and sustainable. They get so confused, they might just turn around and buy some hamburger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a that's a detriment to the whole system. You know, it shouldn't yeah. be that confusing. Well, let's get into the wild caught versus farmed fish. So is wild caught fish healthier than farm fish just for the human body for eating purposes? Yes, I... I believe that wild fish is healthier than farm fish, and it's all that I would feed my family personally. Um, and the reason why is because they're going out into the wild, they're eating their natural wild diet, they're swimming freely in the ocean, and the food that they're eating is not, um, you know, um, fish food or manufactured. They're getting omega threes out from the wild. They're moving their bodies the way their bodies should be moved and they're free of disease. They haven't been treated with, um, you know, hormones or antibiotics or anything like that. So the um, health benefits to me are, are pretty clear that I, you know, I would only eat wild and feed my family wild. So are wild caught fish generally higher in omega threes than farmed fish? Well, that's a difficult one. Uh, You know, more of another slippery slope. Um, Farm fish are fed fish feed, so they can pump up the omega-3s by high, feeding them high omega-3 fish feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the differences in salmon itself. So if you went on the internet and started looking at what's higher, um, you know, there's a lot of species of salmon and they come in with different degrees of omega-3. So what we fish for and sell is Copper River uh, salmon. So we fish for Copper River sockeye, king, coho, and some Prince William Sound non-Copper River. And really, when you're when you're talking about salmon, um, you know, the hierarchy of like what's the best salmon. You've got your Copper River king, and then your Copper River sockeye, and then Copper River coho. And the reason the top is the top is because it has the highest omega threes. Omega threes are what makes fish delicious. It's the fat. Mm-hmm. And it also makes it the most healthy. So that's when you're kind of ranking fish, a lot of times what puts it off the top is the high omega-3s. So it's a long, long answer. But if you're looking up which has higher omega-3s, they're not talking about what wild species they're, they're measuring. So I would say um, go for Wild Alaskan Copper River because that has the highest omega-3s, which also makes it the most delicious. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so when you're talking, it's kind of, cause I understand meat, like I said, a little bit more. So is farmed fish essentially kind of the same as confined animal feedlot meat we could think of? And then wild is more like your hundred percent grass fed pasture raised meat. Yes. I think that's really honestly the easiest way to think about it. Um, the what for farm they do, they farm in several different ways, but uh, you know, the way the see most is, um, it'll be in a river or in an ocean, but it's in a pen basically. And, um, and so they, they get some disease in this and that, and they're being fed food. So I think that's the best way, the best analogy. Yeah. 
Okay. So then, and then when they're diseased, then they're probably given antibiotics as well. Is that true? Or is that not? Yes, I believe so. And, and, you know, it would be the different farmed fish would have their different ways of dealing with it, right? They have their strategies, but I, but I believe that they would then be fed antibiotics. And then part of the problem is sometimes they're, it's in a river where there's wild fish. So the, the wild fish are swimming by I've, and getting, you know, disease from the farm fish. So there's definitely a contamination issue as well that can threaten the, the wild species. I've seen some proponents of farm fish saying that it is more sustainable or it's better mm-hmm. for the environment. There's it prevents overfishing or I don't know, like killing dolphins or something mm-hmm. in the fishing practices. Can you kind of speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's more, it, well, it, frankly, it's confusing because when you think about the farm fish, a lot of people feel like, well, that takes the pressure off the wild stocks, right? Mm-hmm. People feel at this point, like they don't want to eat that last wild salmon, you know, mm-hmm. but in truth, the farmed fish threatens the wild salmon. So like I was saying, a lot of times in Alaska, there's no farm fish in all the entire state of Alaska, which is wonderful because our rivers aren't um, being kind of fouled by the fish farming. Right below us in Canada, they have a lot of farm fish right in the rivers and that threatens that wild run. So while there may be a place for farm fish somewhere, it really, isn't helping our wild fish and our wild fish they go out on their own and they fatten up and they come back as a great protein source for humans it it, it's magical what they do we don't do we don't put any inputs in we're not feeding them we don't have this whole um you know farming they just go out into the ocean they come back fat and ready to be eaten (laughs) it's a beautiful thing and here's the real uh, I wish I was saying it more eloquently, but when the wild fish go out and they come back into the rivers, when they come back, they're essential food for bears. When they die, their body goes into the rivers. The nitrogen you know, prom- promotes the growth of trees. Mm-hmm. And so that natural process is is good. We want to continue having wild fish go out into the wild and come back. And when you're buying wild fish, you're not buying the last wild fish because it is a sustainable fishing, um, it's regulated sustainably. So in fact, that money you're paying for that fish, it's, it's a real switch in thinking, but what you're when you're buying that fish, you're actually paying for um, saving that river having no forestation on the river, having no mining near the river, all of the, um, uh, it's really going towards sustaining that um, pure, fresh, clean river for the salmon to return, if that makes sense. If you're thinking, if you're looking at, you know, Copper River salmon, which is, you know, the the top salmon in Alaska, that Copper River, it doesn't have deforestation. It doesn't, they don't have any mines or things like that threatening that river because that river brings back the best fish. So it really, the whole industry, if it should be like grass-fed beef where you feel good about, maybe you eat a little bit less of it, you buy what you can afford and you feel like that money is going towards a really good cause, which is keeping these rivers and oceans healthy for the return of the salmon. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that makes total sense. I do. Yeah. When you started mentioning it, it almost, I do feel like it's sometimes maybe the farmed fishermen are kind of spreading this message of mm. you're, you are kind of taking the last wild fish and almost, I right. don't know, like it's, you feel bad or selfish or something right. buying the wild fish because you hear of overfishing and there's not going to be enough fish so you do kind of feel like you don't want to waste them but really right. the more people who buy the wild fish like th- it doesn't seem like there's a shortage is that true of wild fish there is what there is for a year you know we we fish sustainably so we let you know the fish go through it's really tightly regulated and i'm speaking really specifically in the state of alaska because they regulate their own salmon and 
um, is so tightly regulated. In fact, this sounds crazy, but if we didn't go out and fish, the river would become, would be, it would, it would overspawn. All those fish spawning and then dying in the river would foul the river, turn it acidic and kill the wild run for years to come. Wow. So the fishing cycles have become a part of the cycles on those big rivers with the big fish returns. So we've become a part of the, the cycle. We actually need to go out and catch those fish now, which is really interesting. But the sustainability comes first. So on a low year, we, the, the, they, we still return all those fish. We just have less available to catch. On a high year, we would have more available to catch. So the, you know, with the wild, you can trust that if you see it in the store, that's the abundance, right? You could think of it like that, that, that whatever is available will, will become available to the people, but first we're gonna feed the river. First, the fish will be returning to spawn. So some years you might see it in Costco and oh, wow, a great return, you have a lot of fish. And some years you can't find it as easily and that will be a, just a lighter year on the return. Oh, uh, okay. So if you see wild fish from Alaska, is that your best bet because of the regulations there? Yeah, that's what I, one thing that helps people to be easier, I think, is just Alaska equals wild and sustainable mm. because oh. all of, they don't allow any farming and they don't have any unsustainable fishing. Alaska, a long time ago, realized that, you know, that's what they've got. They've got fish. They better make it sustainable. So. Huh. Alaskan fish is synonymous with wild and sustainable. Okay. I, and I sound like an Alaska, <laughs> I'm not a, like a representative of wild Alaskan fish, but. <laughs> I feel like they should be paying you some kind of royalty or something. <laughs> no, but that's, that's really good to know. And I think, again, you know, why I wanted to have you on to just really break this down. I'm wondering, I know that, for example, in other countries, just having the whole conversation about confined animal feedlot meat versus grass-fed meat isn't as much of a conversation as here because just their meat has been 100% grass-fed for ages. Mm -hmm. Is it the same thing that this is more of a conversation in the United States that we have a lot of fish farming going on in other countries that's not really a thing and their fish is wild caught or is fish farming happening everywhere? I would actually say it's reverse. Oh wow! Um, yeah, just like just like Alaskan fish is synonymous with um, wild fish, and I don't I'm not trying to put anybody down around the planet, but there's other places that have um, been historically fish farming for a lot longer than we have, and that you know Norwegian fish is typically mm -hmm. farm fish. Atlantic salmon is that would be an American term for farm fish. And you have um, things like, uh, I don't want to say it wrong, but um, Chilean sea bass and things like that, which I think are farmed now, don't quote me on that. But there's there's regions in the world that have been farming fish for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and that has been their practice. Whereas in Alaska, like I said, they never adopted that practice. Okay, interesting. So then my next question would be fresh versus frozen. I mean, you're not going to be able to get fresh fish from Alaska in a lot of places, right? It has to be frozen, but I think there's this kind of cloud over frozen fish is right. maybe less healthy. Can you tackle that topic? Absolutely. Another one of my favorite topics, because we we sell our fish frozen. We, we do a delivery box um, nationally, so we, we catch it, we cut it we freeze it up in Alaska and vacuum seal and then we ship it to your door on dry ice so it comes frozen so this you know there is this notion that um fresh is better but when you're tight if you went out on the boat and caught your fish then fresh is better I won't argue that I have had fresh copper river king on the boat and there's nothing like it <laughs> but if you're not out on the boat catching it, or if you don't live by the docks, you know, when the boat comes in, which is very small percentage of people, um, then it, it very well could be better to have your fish frozen right where it is caught up in Alaska. So when we started our business, my husband had been 
I, I had my nutrition and food science background. My husband had been fishing for 20 years. Um, at the time I was home with the kids and we were just talking about all of this, you know, and we set out to bring people, we, we bring fish home for people. We freeze it and we bring fish to our friends and family. You know, that's what a fisherman does. And we really kind of wanted to expand that and go, well, how do we bring that really high quality fish that we're accustomed to, to everybody? And what we eat in the off season is frozen fish. Mm-hmm. And when we really thought about, okay, what do we want to provide and how can we, you know, have the very best quality, the most consistent quality, it is simply freezing it up in Alaska to lock in that quality. Because if you're thinking about Alaskan fish, it's caught in Alaska, it's brought in, it's processed, um, and then it's shipped out. And you can they ship fresh fish out. They'll H&G or head and gut it, um, and then they'll ship it out. It would go to, say, a grocery store. So it's going to take a couple days to do that. It's going to get to the grocery store. The, the, the timer is ticking from the minute the fisherman brings it over the rails, mm. and it's time and temperature. And the lower the temperature, the more time you have. So it's little things like, like icing that fish down immediately when it's caught. That helps extend the shelf life. But you don't really know you've got about five to seven days. So by the time you see it in the refrigerator case at your supermarket, you've got at least three or four days on it maybe. And then it sits there. So it's really fresh is great when it's truly, really and truly fresh, Mm -hmm. but it's really hard to get that across the country and at your grocery store. It just takes too many days to do that. So, and then I'll just step real quick into my next pet peeve. Yeah, go for (laughs) it. The word fresh, like sustainable, means different things. So I wish it was more than one word. Fresh to me means never frozen, Mm. off the dock, never frozen. But what you see, you know, I see signs in February for fresh salmon and I'm scratching my head. I know that there's no, there's no, um, salmon run in the world in February. There's no fresh salmon in, on the planet in February. And what they mean is refresh. So they mean they would take a filet, pull it out of the freezer, put it in the case and call that fresh. And to me, that's not a real fair usage of the word fresh. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. So it, yeah. Because yeah. I know my mom, I she probably heard it somewhere. I don't know. On the news or something, but she would always ask at restaurants, is the fish fresh or frozen? Uh And then kind of stay away, I think, from frozen. But really, it seems like that's not something, it seems like the better question would be, where is the fish from? Yeah. Um, And where is the fish from is a really, really good question. A lot of people in my, you know, circles, you know, is it wild or farmed would be the question. Mm. Um, And the, the server should know that offhand. I look at the menu. If it's wild these days, they'll write it in the menu because it costs right. them more. <laughs> yeah, and they want to charge you more. <laughs> and they, yeah, yeah. So that's what I found. If it doesn't say wild, it's probably not wild. Um, and then the other is is where it's from. Be- and that can be tricky, but when you're talking about wild fish that we're accustomed to, like, like in Alaska, you will usually know the river it came from. So when we're talking about Copper River, that's the river it came from. If you talk about Bristol Bay fish, well, that's the bay, you know, the knack is the river. But usually uh, wild fish is also denoted by its region because different regions have different, um, you know, eating qualities. So people like to, you know, know where it came from for how well they're going to like it or the eating qualities when you really, it's like wine. Okay, um, yeah. So, but um, it needs to say wild to know that it's wild, basically. Is there any region you wouldn't trust wild fish from, or it's pretty safe to say if it's wild, that's a green light? I do trust that wild is a green light. Okay. So that makes it kind of simple um, yeah. shopping or at a restaurant to just kind of trust wild. But then you're saying Alaskan kind of goes above and beyond with the sustainability piece as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it tastes great. great. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I know. I did this volunteer program after college and 
you were kind of sent to different regions, but you had a very limited stipend. So I was in New York and we were eating beans and rice because that's all my house could afford. But I had a friend who was sent to Alaska and they got so sick of salmon, which sounds funny to say, but she's like, all we ate the entire year was salmon. I was like, that sounds amazing. Fantastic. I know here we were eating beans and rice every night, but yeah, Alaskan, you know, absolutely delicious. And again, why that's one of my new year's resolutions is not just to eat more fish, but to eat, you know, really tasty fish. Uh, another common question I think is mercury in fish. And I know that worries a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. can you tackle that? Yeah. Um, so mercury is one of those things. It's, it's a, um, you know, contaminant that's picked up in the fish from the, the water and the fish that it eats slowly over time. So really when you're worried about mercury, you want to avoid, um, the bigger fish that live longer, basically. Um, and so when, and then they also, you're looking at what you want in a fish is a, um, short lifespan and higher fat. So the short lifespan means basically it's less eaten, less little things to accumulate. Um, and then the higher fat is, is sort of like, it's not accumulating in the fat. So the higher the fat, the less kind of accumulation in the muscles. So, um, so salmon is great. A high fat salmon is really good because their lifespan is like, um, around four years when they they come back to around four years old, I mean, three to five. Um, we have uh, black cod, which is a really high in omega-3 white fish. Um, so that's a good choice. It's really, um, there's there's concern around halibut. So we, we do have halibut and halibut is, um, they live a long time, they're big. So if you've seen mm-hmm. the, the halibut, there can be 200 pound halibut pulled in. They call them barn doors and fishing. It's like pulling in a barn door. Oh, they're wow. huge. And those are the mothers and they've been, some of them are almost, you know, uh, they're like over a hundred years old. And so that's where your concern is when you're eating a fish that has been alive a really long time um, and maybe storing all these little bits of mercury. So um, what we do for CNC and, and fishermen, you know, in our circle, we don't, they're not trying to catch those huge halibut anymore. That used to be kind of a, a prize, you know, back in the day, but mm-hmm. nowadays we understand better. We're not, we're not targeting those really large halibut. You target with um, depth and hook size and things like that. So we're not targeting those really large halibut. And in fact, for Cena Sea, because we we're fishermen and then we, we also own the processing plant, um, we target a smaller size fish. So we're really looking for a fish that doesn't hasn't lived as long, hasn't accumulated as much mercury, and bonus, it also tastes better. So, oh, okay. Well, that's good. yeah. Uh, and then, so you said two times a week is kind of is that the minimum to reap the benefits of fish? Would you say eating fish even more is better if possible? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's, those omega threes. I mean, you know, the more the better on omega threes. When my husband first started, just when he was starting to fish, he had, he was only in his twenties. He had some cholesterol issues, you know, high, bad cholesterol. And he started, they wanted to put him on medication stuff. And he was just getting into fishing. It was like, well, let's see what happens if you eat a lot of fish and without any medication, sure enough, you know, years later he came back and they couldn't believe his, the good cholesterol. So those omega threes, the more, the better. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So if we are cooking fish a lot, do you have any tips for cooking fish perfectly every time? Um, well, for first of all, cooking fish is not as hard as people, people put up a block, they, they think, oh, I'm going to ruin it, or it's going to be really hard. It's not hard at all. In fact, to me, you know, of course, I'm much more comfortable cooking fish than give me a big hunk of beef, and I'm going to be confused. <laughs> but um i would say just the number one tip on cooking fish is just don't overcook it Mm. um you you want it um when it when it cooks it's going to get um go from translucent to white and you just want to catch it right when it goes to white right from from translucent to white and that's when it's done and um you know 
you could take a gorgeous piece of fish and, and if you overcook it, it's just not going to be great. It'll be dried out. So you're really trying to retain moisture and not overcook fish. Real quick, I want to take a break from the episode to share one of my favorite resources with you. One of the BS messages floating around out there is that eating healthy costs too much. Honestly, I used to believe this myself. That is, until I discovered ThriveMarket.com. Thrive Market is an online grocery platform that's essentially Costco meets Trader Joe's meets Whole Foods. I love that I can shop on their mobile app and have all of my favorite groceries, everything from natural wine to 100% grass-fed beef to nutritious crackers, everything, delivered right to my door. Last year, I saved over $1,000 shopping on Thrive. I honestly can't think of one reason not to love it. To save a percentage off your first order and see my full shopping list, click through the links in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. And I think the great news is that it cooks so quickly. I mean, it's just such a great option for a weeknight meal when you want to spend 10 minutes prepping something. Oh, absolutely. We're just spoiled because at fast food at our house, we have the the portions, like I've mentioned, we cut everything into a six ounce portion, have them individually vacuum sealed. So you have those in your freezer and you're, what's for dinner? I don't know. Let me just reach in the freezer and pull something out. <laughs> I pull out, a, you know, however many portions of fish as people, um, put them in cold water and I start the rice you know, start prepping vegetables. And, and then I turn back to the fish, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes later, and they're defrosted. And I will pull them out of the package. I like to rinse in cold water, pat dry with paper towel. Now I've got these gorgeous defrosted fillets, or I should say portions. I'm going to do a quick salt on them. And then whatever I feel like I just drizzle something on top. I will usually do like a, an olive oil, uh, quick balsamic or, you know, or lemon, a little bit of garlic and flavoring, and that's it. I'll drizzle that on top and it goes on the barbecue or in the stove. But that's really, I can have it defrosted and, and dry, you know, ready for the oven in the time that my rice cooks. Right. Yeah. I love, and it picks up the flavors so quickly, it seems. You know, it's not like you have to marinate it overnight. It could just be, like you said, a quick you know, drizzling and then all the juices too that come off of it. My husband made the most amazing fish the other night. We were in San Diego and we got some um, fresh at the seafood place. And oh, yeah. he just used olive oil, salt, pepper, and lemon juice, I think. And then we yeah. made rice. And then the rice had the dressing of that. On. I mean, it was just so good. But I do, like, I've always myself been a little intimidated by cooking and I've gotten way better at it over the years. But watching him do it, I was like, wow, we need to do this way more often because it is so simple. It's so easy and it's, and it's really delicious. And it just tastes so fresh and so light after a meal of fish. You just, you just feel good. Right. Right. You don't have that heaviness. Yeah. 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 And I love how you mentioned that you can take the portion out and thaw it in cold water in just 30 minutes. I didn't know that. So it's good to know that you don't have to really plan ahead. I always kind of think if I'm cooking something that's frozen, I have to think about mm-hmm. it the night before. So then when you're in that pinch, you haven't thought about it 24 hours in advance to thaw it. So it's good to know that I could think about it 30 minutes in advance and thaw it with no problem. And I cook fish all the time and, you know, it just, I, I don't know. It's so hard for me to take it out the night before. Yeah. <laughs> That's such long-term. We have a family of five and, and kids running around and, you know, doing things. And that just seems like, um, you know, such advanced planning to me. But I also feel like it's back to that, you know, question of fresh versus frozen. Mm-hmm. Anytime the fish is at even refrigerated temperatures, that clock starts ticking again. Mm-hmm. So that clock started ticking when the fish was pulled in, the time temperature kind of quality clock. It we froze the clock when we freeze it. Now, when we defrost it, we start that clock again where it was. And mm-hmm. so really, uh, a lot of people defrost by putting them in the fridge for 24 hours, which is totally fine. But I find if you go any longer than that, that fish sitting in the fridge, to me, it, it degrades the quality. And that's why I like to defrost it. My preference is actually right before eating, because I feel like those refrigeration refrigerated temperatures do kind of affect the quality. 
how long would you say to keep fresh fish in the fridge before it is no longer fresh? Well, it absolutely, like, like I mentioned, it's, it's, the clock is ticking from the, when the fish has come in. So it really helps if you know, if you have an idea of how many days it's already been refrigerated. So like our fish, we freeze it immediately. So you've probably got, you know, a good five days. They, okay. they say five to seven days. I, I tend to just really be conservative because I like it to taste really good. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I was thinking the next time we do, because we live near the water. So let's say we were to get fresh fish. It may mm-hmm. even be prudent just to freeze it immediately if we're not planning on eating it that night or the next night. Would you recommend that? Yeah, I I um, I do just because there's no harm. I really find that it, I would rather eat it um, frozen than pushing the days on the on the refrigeration, if that makes sense. I would yeah. rather freeze it than push push past or close to those five days. Got it. Well, to kind of wrapping up, there's a one more question or a couple more questions I want to ask. I know you've been so generous with your time, but if somebody is listening to this and they're on a tight budget, what's their best bet when buying seafood? I know wild can be more expensive. So what tips do you have for kind of budget, budgeting seafood? Um, wild can be more expensive, but to me, I'm sure um, I've beat the drum pretty hard. I would still choose wild. Um, uh-huh. You could you could save on on being smart about your species. So, um, like for salmon, I kind of mentioned the tier. So your Copper River salmon would be your top tier. It has the higher omega threes. We also sell what uh, Prince William Sound salmon. So that would be salmon that is um has less omega-3s it's still wild though and it's going to come at a lower price point so it's kind of just knowing those species where you're um you're, you're not getting the omega-3s but you're still getting a, a natural wild product so i would definitely just look for a, a different variety of salmon that fits your budget better mm-hmm. um, and then same thing with the whitefish we have halibut and black cod which are your really premium whitefish but we also sell um, rockfish. That's a kind of a generic term for bottom fish that it can be, <laughs> there's, I, I'm, they're not coming to mind, but, um, ling cod, um, Pacific cod, uh, snapper, those are kind of, kind of generic rock fishes. So you could find those types of species, um, that are going to be your basic generic whitefish. They're still wild. They're still caught sustainably and they're delicious. So I would just recommend looking for those um, those species that aren't don't aren't top dollar, but still staying within wild. As you were talking, I was thinking, is it bad if you see refrigerated fish, so not frozen, that is on sale? Does that mean that it's old? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like to buy things on sale. <laughs> yeah. And I watch for those yellow stickers at the store. And I would say this, I I buy things with yellow stickers if I know I'm going to eat them that night. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, okay. Um, so the final question I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? I love that. I love the term. I, I think it's really cool. And to me, it means um, prioritizing your time and your money for health. So it would be, you know, the time to work out, the money to to buy the best um, high quality foods. But to me, it's really about, it sounds to me like prioritizing for your health, Mm -hmm. your time and your money. Yeah, I love that. Well, where can listeners follow and find your company? Are you active on social media or is your website the best place? We are on Instagram, CNC underscore seafoods, but I really recommend everyone jump over to our website. You're going to get a a feel real quick for what we've got and what we do. The website is com, And we also have, when you're on the website, you can sign up for our email list and we send out, um, we have a free um, recipe book. So it's all the family recipes that we use for our types of fish. So it's really quick, simple. I'm not a complicated cooker. It's really simple recipes for um, specifically for the type species that we sell. Um, and then we also have 
a um, subscription program. So that's a, it's timely right now in January, but all year round, you can jump on, you can choose your species. We have a, a seasonal variety or, or your favorite type of fish and you subscribe and save, you can, you can choose whether you want that box once a month, once every two months, or even once every three months. So it's very flexible, what you want in the box, how often you want the box, and then it just sets up a reoccurring order. Because oh, it's really as easy as when you have really good fish on hand, you'll eat more of it. Right. It, it's just like those, those nights when I don't know what to cook and I go in the freezer and I grab fish out. It's better than grabbing out a frozen burrito. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and again, I just, I'm obsessed with that tip that you said you can thaw it in 30 minutes. I never <laughs> do that. So that makes me even more apt to cook fish because I know that I can thaw it that the night of. Right, right. And your website is great. You have a blog. You have so many useful articles. I can't wait to sign up for your email list and down the, download the cookbook because I also am a, a no-frills chef if you want to call her cook right. uh, but you have just so many options um for your subscription and then I know you have gift boxes as well um so it's just yeah I would highly recommend I'll put your website link in the show notes so that it's quick access for everyone um okay. but your website's great it's just such a wealth of knowledge thank you and we we really consider you know part of our job is to um inform people and fish is confusing and it doesn't have to be. So we really do, our, our email list um, is, is where I put a lot of my energy into really bringing people content that, that is interesting and um, informative about fish. So awesome. Uh, we love to well, see people there. <laughs> yeah, I will be there. So <laughs> can't wait to learn even more from you. And I'm just grateful for your time and for you really de demystifying the whole world of fish for us today. Perfect. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, that's the other thing. You jump on the list, reply to any email, and you have me. And I, and I sit down and thoughtfully respond to people and answer people's questions. So That's um, so awesome. Yeah. So I, I, I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. It's fantastic. What a great fit. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sina. Well, that's all for today. Before the next episode drops, I'd love to chat with you one-on-one -on -one about the BS messages and methods currently holding you back. You deserve simple weight loss and sustainable wellness, so let's figure out how to make both happen. To book your free consultation, click through the link in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Health Investment Podcast. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.